So one asked the other day if I had said Mass this summer at the Newman Center during uh, the week. And I said, no, I've been gone a lot. And I was uh, gone uh, this week, past week as well. Uh, I was at Ministry Days in Winona. Uh, they had, at Ministry Days, they had a couple come up and talk about perpetual adoration and how it had been going on for 20 years at Resurrection Parish in Rochester. Now, I wasn't giving credit, but I was actually part of that uh, initial group uh, that uh, set out to launch a perpetual adoration at Resurrection 20 years ago. Now, I didn't do any great things in the group. I was the nerdy computer guy, uh, so I created a Microsoft Access database to keep track of who was scheduled to adore Jesus when, uh, keep track of the contact information and other such things. Now there's much better programs that you can find online to track uh, Eucharistic adoration, but uh, there wasn't much uh, back then in 2002. There were some women in this uh, group that were very formative to me. Now, having come back to the Catholic Church in college, in part because Jesus really is present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, I knew the theology around the Eucharist. However, these women would use masculine pronouns when referring to the Eucharist. By this I mean, instead of saying something like, can you get the consecrated host out of the tabernacle, or can you get them out of the tabernacle? Instead, they would say things like, can you get Jesus out of the tabernacle, or can you get him out of the tabernacle? Now the reason uh, for all this coming up at Ministry Days is because the United States Catholic Bishops have called for a three-year National Eucharistic Revival. And that is to start today. Today is Corpus Christi Sunday or the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. I believe the last statistic I saw said that only about a third of Catholics believe and can explain the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. This means that only a third of Catholics believe and can explain that after the words of consecration that the priest says, this is my body, this is my blood, that the bread and wine, while looking the same, have now become the body and blood of Jesus. Now how does this happen? Well, philosophy will talk about substance and accidents, or matter and form. So when you look at the person next to you, they are a human person, and that their soul is a human soul. And so the soul would be the substance or the form. And the accidents, the body, the matter that makes up the body, it looks like a human person, a human body. And that's the same like with, if we look at a tree, we can say, oh, that's a tree, and it looks like a tree, and we say it has the form or the substance of a tree. Now when it comes to the Eucharist, when it comes to the bread and wine before consecration, we would say that the matter and form would be unleavened bread and grape wine. But after consecration, the accidents stay the same. Like even if you put it under a microscope, did uh, scientific experiments on the consecrated host and wine, uh, that would not be a good thing to do. It would be uh, scandalous to do. But if you did, the test would come back as bread and wine. Because the accidents don't change, but the substance, the whatness 
changes from bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus. This transformation of the substance of the whatness, we call just that, transubstantiation. When I did a lot more apologetics, um, I would tell people that the reason I was Catholic was because we had cool words like that, transubstantiation. That's not really true, but it is fun to say. Now in the first reading, Abram goes to Melchizedek, who is the king of Salem. Salem means peace. Now Melchizedek is kind of a strange king because he's also a priest, just like Jesus will be. Now he only appears briefly in the Bible, but he is referred to several times later, even in the New Testament. Melchizedek brings out bread and wine and blesses Abram, who later becomes Abraham. Now, as I said, because Melchizedek is a priest and king, he is a prefigurement of Christ. And then when we look at the second reading, St. Paul is writing to the Corinthians just decades after Jesus has arisen back into heaven. Now, sometimes uh, Protestants will accuse Catholics of making up the real presence that the fact that Jesus is in the Eucharist body, blood, soul, and divinity, that this teaching was made up much later. But we see that that is not true. We see in Paul's writing to the Corinthians that St. Paul very much believes that the bread and wine are not bread and wine, but rather the body and blood of Jesus. St. Paul says to repeat the words of Jesus at the Last Supper, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now this remembrance is a little bit different than uh, how we use the word in English. This idea of remembrance is to make present, to bring into the present. And we can think of how the we in the Mass are brought back, we're brought back to the Last Supper, we're brought back to the crucifixion of Jesus. But in some ways we're also brought forward into the banquet feast of heaven. Our theology tells us that if we had the eyes of faith to see it, that we would see the angels and saints gathered around the altar during Mass. That Mass is not just uh, with the people in the pews and the priests, but rather with all the angels and saints of heaven. As I like to tell the kids uh, in religious said that the Mass is the only time machine that we know of. The Gospel, Jesus feeds the 5,000 with just five loaves into fish. And it says that they were satisfied that they were no longer hungry. And Jesus has been satisfying Catholics for the last 2,000 years. For the last 2,000 years, Jesus has been feeding billions of people with his body and blood. Just as he multiplied the bread and the fish 2,000 years ago, he multiplies his body and blood to feed us spiritually. Now, there have been a few saints that lived just on the Eucharist, so they fed them in 
satisfy them not just spiritually, but also physically. Um, I guess I've fasted a couple of times and I don't think that will work for me. I think I like steaks too much. Uh, but we can be satisfied spiritually by the Eucharist. And the Eucharist, when we look at our Protestant brothers and sisters, in some ways sets us apart. That most uh, believe that the, the communion is just a symbol. But we believe something radically different, that the Eucharist is Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. Now I would argue that you cannot be lukewarm about the Eucharist. That either it's the greatest lie that has ever been told, or the greatest gift on this side of heaven. We know from the Ten Commandments that we are not to worship idols, that we are not to give to things the worship that belongs to God alone. And for 2,000 years, Catholics have worshipped the consecrated host as if it were God himself. And this is what we know and believe to be true as Catholics. But if we are wrong, then billions of people for the last 2,000 years have been idol-worshipping this piece of bread. That is no small matter. The Ten Commandments also tell us that that would be a mortal sin. But if the Eucharist is what we believe it to be, the body, blood, soul, and divinity, there is truly the greatest gift on this side of heaven. I mean, sometimes we might be a little jealous of the apostles that they got to walk with Jesus, they got to see him, to listen to Jesus when he was on the earth 2,000 years ago. Maybe they even got to touch Jesus, maybe poke him. But we get to receive Jesus into our very bodies. In some ways, we in the Eucharist have a greater intimacy with Jesus Christ than the apostles had 2,000 years ago. This is a great gift. Theologians will say that Christ took on our humanity uh, so that we could take on his divinity. We know from John 6 that if we are to enter into eternal life, then we must eat Jesus' body and drink his blood. And Jesus has luckily given us the gift of receiving his body and blood in a non-bloody manner. We get to receive uh, Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. We get to receive the food that prepares us for heaven. We get to receive the food, the Eucharist, Jesus himself, so that we can receive the grace to become saints, to become holy. Throughout the last 2,000 years, there have been things called the Eucharistic Miracles. And in fact, uh, several months ago, uh, Janesville, which is a town, I don't know, 20 miles to the east of here, uh, they had a display of like 120-some Eucharistic Miracles. Now, uh, the greatest uh, one is probably, or the most famous one, is probably the one of Lanciano. And there the priest was celebrating Mass with doubting the real presence himself. Instead of just uh, the substance, the form of the bread and wine being changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, it actually physically changed. And the consecrated host became uh, heart tissue 
uh, human heart tissue and the consecrated wine became human blood. And you can still see them. They have it deteriorated. You can still go to Lanciano to this day and see this Eucharistic miracle. And there have been many others like that throughout the last 2,000 years. And it's a gift from God, a reminder to God that we are not receiving bread and wine, that we are truly receiving Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. God wants to satisfy us. He wants to satisfy our hunger, our spiritual hunger. Someday that will be completely satisfied when we are in heaven, God willing. But even today, we can have a foretaste of that. We can have a foretaste of that in the Eucharist. We can receive Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. Receive the graces to become saints. This is what the world needs. This is what God is calling us to. He is calling us to greatness. He is calling us to sainthood. And the best way to do that is to receive the Eucharist. To receive Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. And allow the graces of that to propel us to become saints. To love well. To love God. And to love our neighbor well.